another week and another episode of uh, Just Another Sports Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Greg Swatek, Josh Smith, pleased to be joined once again by FNP sports writer Joe Ferraro. Joe, how are you? Great, great. Th- these are a good time, so I'm back for more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're we're, we're going to kick you out one of these days, so don't get too used to it. But, um, but <laughs> Sounds you, you, good. <laughs> you've been great so far. Uh, glad to have you back. And uh, lots to talk about this week. So I'm going to force Josh to talk about a little golf oh. this week. So. Oh. I'm going to force him to do it. Nobody can make me talk about golf, now, Greg. Well, we'll hope, I'd like to see you try. Well, hope, well I'm going to try. Well, hopefully you don't storm out and, and, and never return again. pound you so, over there. Yeah, you might have you to. Pound you in your bald well, head. That's what Joe's here for. He's, he's going to be my muscle. Right. He's going to separate us. So, um, I'll try. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk some baseball. Uh, what, what's wrong with the uh, O's and the Nats, man? It's, it's not going well for... Either of those teams. Uh, I even wanted to mention the Preakness uh, this week because I, I, I thought the Preakness was a compelling uh, race. Um, but uh, we'll start with the NBA playoffs and uh, the Golden State Warriors back in the finals uh, for the uh, fifth consecutive time, uh, bidding for title number four in, in, in five years. Um, they've won um, five in a row since Kevin Durant uh, uh I uh, got injured. Uh, just and, what they needed. That's exactly. They just needed Kevin Durant to get hurt, man. That's what I wanted to talk about because the, the, the coverage of this is cracking me up because it's almost like everyone's forgotten how good Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green were before Kevin Durant ever got there. Like they, the Warriors don't need Kevin Durant. I mean, he's a nice luxury to have. He, he helps he's a them. luxury, yeah, for he, them. He 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 helps them. I, I'm not suggesting they're a better team per se without him, but this is a team that won a championship without Kevin Durant. The following year, in 2016, they won 73 games and should have won the title uh, before the Cavs staged their epic comeback, uh, which was made in part uh, possible by Draymond Green getting suspended for Game 5 of that series. Um, so, he, so he missed that game. Yeah, were you, were I, you? Mean, I mean, the one thing with these, the one thing that really cracks me up every time during the regular season is that, you know, the Warriors will, lo- will lose, you know, four of six, five and seven. Oh, my gosh, the earth is falling. What's wrong with the Warriors? I mean... These guys are just trying to coast through the regular season. And then, you know, when it matters, you know, they, they know how to turn it on. You know, same thing with the Heat, you know, when they were in their championship season, same thing. You know, they go through a bad stretch. Oh, boy. You know, are they vulnerable? No, they're not vulnerable. Right. They're not vulnerable. They, they just know when they when they have to turn it on, it's especially now, uh, you know, back when Jordan was around. He, he didn't take days off. I mean, these guys are taking days off left and right. I mean, this this doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's it's really incredible to think that the Warriors without Kevin Durant still have prob- two of the most unique players in NBA history in Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Like they do things that really were never done before they they got on the scene and started playing for the Warriors together. And then <laughs> KD is going to come back eventually and they're going to have a third guy who's never seen before sort of guy seven feet talk and you do all the things that he does right and the guy we have mentioned is clay thompson yeah. he's one of the best two-way players in, in the league terrific I mean, defender right yep. awesome shooter can, guy can score 37 points in a quarter you know i mean right that's a luxury too you got a guy like that right but i i think what durant's absence has done more than anything it's, it's allowed steph to become steph again it's allowed draymond to become draymond again i mean they they, they play differently and it's, it's almost like they're deferring to Kevin Durant out of 
the sheer greatness of Kevin Durant. Yeah. And, yeah. and when, when he's not there, they're they're more free to be themselves again. And, and, they, and they show you how great they are. Yeah, exactly. You and, said and, that's and, perfectly and, stated. In and, and winning these games. Yeah, like so. the way that Draymond Green was playing the other night, you forgot that that's – like that's the kind of player he is. He was getting rebounds. He was taking like he was getting the ball on inbounds and pushing it up the floor faster than any point guard typically does in the NBA and getting and seizing on mismatches and dishing the ball off and getting easy baskets and he was doing it like he did it numerous times and he is where he's the whole sort of the the, the axis for their whole team and, I think. And, and he was he was in their years before Kevin Durant yeah. when they were going to the championship game and uh, and then losing to the Cavs in the finals. If if you remember, I, I Josh, I had Draymond Green on my fantasy team in, yeah. in, in fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, and he was like scoring me like 40, 40 points a game. And I do remember that. And, and fantasy because I picked him the year after that. <laughs> right. I made sure I got him the year later. Uh, right, exactly. So I mean, he, if if you remember earlier in the season, he and Kevin Durant like butted heads. They they got yeah. into some on court argument. I, I think Draymond gets frustrated when Durant is playing. Not that that. that he, absolutely hate each other but I, I think Draymond knows that when KD's not there he's he's a better player because he's yeah. more freed up to do what to do what he does well so it's yeah kind of, it's kind of interesting because uh before they even got Kevin Durant it was Draymond Green who who helped recruit him and yet they're they're friends they're friends <laughs> yeah, off the court so. yeah so yeah I mean the Warriors are the they're great with KD and they're great without KD, and I think I think they'll be just fine if if, if Durant were, yeah. were 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 to leave. Yeah, we got, so. yeah we got to see another glimpse of like sort of the quintessential Steph and the quintessential Draymond Green. There was a there was a play in that game that I I watched most of that game. Um, we're talking about this was on this was on Sunday, right? Was on, it Monday? On, no, it was on Monday. It was my night, night yeah. off, and uh, there was a play that I just loved, and it was Steph running around trying to get open while the play was sort of taking its time working out. And he eventually found a corner, you know, a corner shot and hit and nailed it. And I don't know how many like meters or feet he ran in this one possession that lasted like 20 seconds, but nobody, it's just like, there aren't many players that can do that. There aren't many players in history that are able to do what he does in terms of, you know, moving without the ball and finding his spots and, that was just so, it's just so fun to watch when when they're playing like that. I mean, I, the Warriors have lost a bunch of head scratching games in recent years. I mean, Utah beat them, I think, by forty points or whatever at, at the end of uh, the regular season last year. And I heard a commentator say it, and he's probably right that KD his greatness has allowed the rest of the Warriors to become complacent and lazy. <laughs> I mean, the, I, I mean, they, they don't have to do as much when when, when Durant's there because Durant is so great, and he he wins a lot of games for him just by being Kevin Durant. But now that Kevin Durant's not there, Steph, who's in, who they were remarking about what great condition he's in, and Draymond, they realize that the emphasis and the and the burden now falls to them. So they have to pick up their games and, and become much better players. So, what, what do you guys think? Um, you hear you hear people talking because KD is likely to leave uh, after this season. That this is the end of the, this is the last year for the Warriors dynasty. Well, I don't Your buy thoughts? It at all. I don't yeah, think so. It, it's yeah. they'll, they'll be the favorites to win the title yeah. next year because they're showing you how great they are without totally with, without yeah. without Kevin Durant. So yeah, I mean, it would it would be kind of interesting to see them play against the Rockets without KD. But um, I still think, like like you pointed out, they're playing in a more in a more natural way now anyway. So all right, just the and I remarked the other day the competitive greatness of Steph and. Draymond yeah. and Clay too. It reminds me 
I mean, they're a trio, but it reminds me of the singular competitiveness and greatness of a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant. I mean, it's right there. It's on par. Like, when those guys have to play well, they they almost always do. I mean, they they beat the Blazers in that closeout game the other night without Boogie Cousins, without Durant, and without Andre Iguodala, who's been an instrumental piece in their their championship run. I don't even know who these guys were. were, There were a couple of dudes on the floor that I'm just like, okay, this is the first time I've ever seen this guy play. Right, it, but 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 they make it work it, just, be, yeah. just because as long as they have those three, everything else sort of blends Blows in around, around them. Plus, they had to overcome like an epic performance from Myers Leonard of of, what? of, of the Blazers, <laughs> what was who was that? who was, was bombing incredible. threes, and he he had he, he had thirty plus points in that game. And so. what in the hell does a team have to do to put the Warriors away? Like, how many times did they come back from from second half deficits of more and all, than, and all, more and, than and, fifteen in almost every game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that has to be so devastating to anybody who plays them. And, and that speaks to what I'm talking about, the competitiveness of yeah. uh, uh, those three, Clay, Steph, and Draymond. That they just say, we're not going to lose, and, and, and they go out, and, they go out and, 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 and win the game. So the Warriors are going to be fine without Durant. I, I, I think the Clippers are a better destination for Durant than, than the Knicks because like, we, we talked about it last week. Like Kevin Durant, um, he's, he's back in a media spat with Chris Broussard. Now, I, I don't know oh, if you I saw that, that on Twitter, but they're going back and forth. Broussard's <laughs> claiming that they have – Who does he even work for now? He works for Fox Sports. Okay. Uh, he's, their, he's the lead NBA person on a network that doesn't have the NBA, uh, F, <laughs> uh, FS1. So. He's, he's good. He's, he's pretty good. Right, but he's claiming that he and Durant have had all these private conversations and they've gone at each other, and then Durant – tweeted something at him like you don't even have my number dude what are you talking about <laughs> so the idea that kevin durant's gonna go to new york and deal with this on on a scale times 10 with, with, with the new york media it, it's just not gonna work and then you have like temperamental kyrie irving how how's he gonna do with the new york media yeah so, we've been we've been over that yeah. you're, you're probably right <clears throat> it's, it's, it's just ridiculous so uh the, the other series meanwhile is the toronto bucks and the uh the Toronto, Toronto Bucks, the Toronto Bucks, and the Milwaukee Raptors, right? <laughs> uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors, and I'm kind of disappointed in the Bucks because I wanted to see them sort of. Yeah, you were just, talking big ones. Just, then, man. just. I wanted to see them put the clamps down, put the Raptors away, and then kind of be able to push Golden State and, and make for a compelling NBA Finals. But losing these last two games, I've I've lost a lot of faith that the Bucks are actually up to the task of of knocking off a team like the Warriors. I've I've, I've been disappointed these last two games. Gian, Giannis was terrible offensively um, in in Sunday's game three. He scored, came back and scored twenty five points in game four, but they weren't very impactful points. I mean, the Bucks lost by um, by almost twenty in game four, so the series is tied now. So, so the Bucks, who have been the best team all season, that it's a, sort of a bummer to see them having to claw to get past the the Raptors, who are a good team, but but so not, not not a great. What well, do either of you think the Raptors, if they get through, could? could give the Warriors a run Raptors that, that's interesting um they could I mean I I think when I when I look at them uh I I think of the you know the Pistons team that, that oh, yeah. knocked off the Lakers yeah. when, when they had no business doing so uh back in 2004 I I, I believe now I'm not am I I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're going to definitely do it, but you yeah. know it, it, it wouldn't be a shock. Uh, you know they, they have Kawhi and, and Kyle Lowry, but for the most part, you know guys that you know their names uh, you can't name you know many other guys you know besides yeah them. yeah. Did, what did you guys see the other day? Uh, I think it was on during the telecast. I'm not sure if it was the national telecast that there are all, a bunch of restaurants and businesses in Toronto um, that 
are are offering free meals to Kawhi. I think I, it, I can't remember. There's a there's trying, a name trying to, to convince him to stay. Yeah. Obviously, so like, and they have stickers. So all of them have stickers at their doors or um, on the window or something. That's Kawhi Leonard's face, and it's like uh, I can't remember what the slogan is, but he knows like if he walks past there and he sees that he could have a free meal there. Some other businesses have got into the act too, like offering free services to him. Yeah, sure, obviously, want sure, to keep him there. Sure, Drake's involved too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No doubt. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he'll offer like studio time to him or something. I think that actually may have happened. Drake's entertaining the masses on the boat yeah. right now. Yeah, so. he is, thankfully. The problem with the Bucks and the Raptors is they're two, they're both teams reliant kind of on one player yeah. and then someone else to have another big game. But you yeah. don't know who that person's going to be. One one night it's Chris Middleton, one night it's Brooke Lopez from Milwaukee, the other night it's Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry for Toronto. It's like they don't have a dependable consistent second Pas- guy pascal siakam by the way is like my favorite name now for some reason and pascal and yeah an nba player yeah. uh, by the name of pascal yes yeah i, I like i i'm rooting i'm rooting hard against the raptors just because of drake like i think i told you that the other night. i cannot stand that guy i can't i hate that they show him constantly right, like, like, i want them to lose just because of him he was like conversing with like nick nurse like during the game because his seat is like right position yeah. right next to the raptors bench yeah. so yeah, everyone loves Drake, but uh, but we've made a point well here that that it's uh, he's sort, <laughs> sort of just an annoying, annoying like presence. In, um, yeah, I mean he's yeah. even more annoying. Like Spike Lee, Spike Lee wasn't annoying. I don't think he was. He he was sort of a, you know, he was a fun character, and he is a fun character at these games. Whereas <laughs> Drake's just like he's a getting, he's trying to get attention. Obviously. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So so I, I've lost a lot of fa- I, I was hopeful the Bucks could actually push the Warriors and give them a series but I, but these last two games have shaken my faith yeah. in, uh, in the Milwaukee Raptors guys so <laughs> um, before we leave the NBA the Lakers uh, had an interesting uh, week as yeah. well because Magic Johnson went on uh, first take with our boy Stephen A and Max Kellerman and uh, basically ran the bus over the franchise i mean he ripped ran the, the genie bus he ran the genie bus over <laughs> over, over, over the franchise he, he he said he was backstabbed by rob palenka uh the lakers uh now i guess gm um kobe bryant's former agent so is he really qualified i mean that's a whole nother discussion but but <laughs> just when you think this lakers sideshow can't get any worse i mean it, it, yeah. it, it, there's a new wrinkle to the story and a new twist that makes it worse magic's so. gotta he's gotta talk man he that's one of the reasons why he left so he could be more active in the public i think so it's no surprise when palinka was talking about how he was how magic like wasn't there and like was too busy doing other stuff and it's like yeah he's magic johnson the guy's running businesses and right guy, yes. he's well, got all kinds of stuff so you could on. question the lakers so, ownership for yeah. putting for putting magic in that position in the first place knowing all of his other business commitments but then Rob Palenka, in introducing their new head coach, Frank Vogel, he he made it sound like he and Magic had just talked uh, the other day and they had this great relationship. So this was the day uh, this was the day of Magic's comments, right. the afternoon after Magic went on ESPN and torched the Lakers. Palenka made it sound like, oh, I'm looking forward to talking to Magic and working through this. We just talked the other day. I enjoyed every day working alongside. So, like, someone, someone's obviously lying. Who do here. you think's lying, Greg? Right. Like, why would Magic go on ESPN first take and rip the – Lakers yeah. and his sister, who he, uh, who, who he calls. I think I know who I believe here. Bus. Right, Polinka still works for the Lakers. Magic doesn't. We might hear more about Rob Polinka later in the show. Uh, okay, uh, if, right. if, if you if you get get my uh, drift, I do. Here. Yeah. So I think Polinka has to say or had to say what he said. Ma- Magic's an icon. He's a smart. Polinka's a smart guy. He's not yeah. going to blast uh, 
an icon. So that's something he he had to say. Yeah. I guess, but he's also lying in, 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 <laughs> well, in the process. Well, so. what, what percentage of stuff at press conferences that we hear from any official, any team officials or league yeah. officials is actually true? It's, it, it's not. It's, it's like it's not. Le- the first, it's like less than sixty percent. It's not the first time that a lie has been uttered. Yes, I yeah. I, I realize that. So, um, baseball. Uh, the, the the Orioles are playing the Yankees right now and, and g- giving up home runs uh, at, right a, at a remarkable clip. Oh yeah, yeah. I I got a. I got while we're on that subject, I, I wanted to read something that Rich Dubroff uh, had in one of his stories, and this will be perfect uh, to to start this segment. So last night they they gave up three, and that got them to a hundred. So the third home run was this is from Rich Dubroff, who covers the Orioles for BaltimoreBaseball.com. Third home run was the one hundredth Orioles pitchers have given up in forty eight games, which is the fewest games in which any team has reached the century mark, and puts the Orioles on a pace to allow three hundred and thirty eight. That would shatter the major league record set by the Reds in 2016 when they gave up 258. So they are well on their way to destroying that very embarrassing, dubious record. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even tonight in tonight's game, I think it was seven nothing yeah. Yankees. They'd given up three or four more. I think they given up four home runs. So they're at 104 for the season, uh, and, and it's May 22nd as, as we record this, and they've yeah. given up 104 home runs. So. My, my my question is, we, we knew it was going to be bad for the Orioles this yeah. year. I mean, that that's not a surprise that they're a terrible team. But you 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 sort of mentioned this the other day, Josh. Is is it going worse than, than yeah. we even thought? That's what I said. I, I mean, after last night's game, I said, I don't think – I did not envision it being this bad. And I think everybody went into the season thinking they're coming in last. They're they're going to be just as bad as they were last year. But, man, I did not I did not see this coming. I knew their pitching staff was atrocious to borrow a word that we always we always use in the office. But uh, it is – it's beyond – I mean, this is – I've never seen it on a scale like this. In all of the years that I've watched this team, even those really, really lean 10 years where they their ace was Rodrigo Lopez, they still had guys that were more capable than the losers that they're trotting out there uh, right and left now. Like, I mean, it's even – like Cobb is hurt – but even when he's out there, he's given up like three or four bombs a game. He's 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 as good as they offer, really. And it's I've just never seen it this bad in terms of their pitching. It's funny coming out of spring training, we were looking at this team on the field and we were like, man, that looks a lot like the team that yeah. lost 115 games last year. I mean, because they, they, they didn't call up guys like Austin Hayes and um, and, and and some of their top top prospects. Um, the, the the center fielder they got yeah. from. Uh, uh, the Dodgers, um, they're they're in the minor leagues, and they're they say they want to do it at the right pace, and when when they're ready and stuff, and and since the Orioles weren't going to be good anyway, you yeah, you said that's fine, but but it's largely the same team as they had last year, and and they seem to be getting worse as the season. Yeah, goes there's on. really very little reason to watch them at all, other than Trey Mancini, who's having a nice, quietly having a really nice year so far. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about the draft at all? Because you mentioned that last night when we were watching this this game unfold and those home runs flying over the fence you said because they got the number one pick they they better take a pitcher is what was what my remark and joe you probably know more about this than either of us who like isn't it true that they're looking at a catcher like as the number one yeah adley rutschman yeah he's a he's a switch hitting catcher out of uh, oregon state and and the guy has a pretty uh advanced approach at the at the plate you know doesn't you know strike out all the time actually I, i believe he walks more than he strikes out okay. so so i mean that, that's not that's not a, a, a bad uh, choice uh, the number two pick is bobby witt jr 
who is a high school shortstop and is you know pretty polished uh, all the way around. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm thinking, boy, a catcher though. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, the the it, it'd be. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm not saying that Adley Rutschman's you know gonna gonna be a bad player, but boy, I mean, boy, they need the Orioles more than anything need star power you know so, yeah. so someone that you know they, they, could, they, they, like... they could come out and, and say hey i'm gonna come and see him play yeah i mean there's so many bad teams in the in the league but but usually all, all these teams bad or good have that one player to say i want to go watch him play exactly who do the orioles have that where you could point out and say hey i want i want i want to yeah. watch him play. i mean i think at this point it's it's becoming mancini but he's still i mean he plays out of position he's an outfielder i mean he's a first baseman playing outfield and who knows if he's gonna actually keep this up at the plate this year he's they i think they think of him as that franchise guy now but a catcher i i, I don't know i have a hard time with that decision but at the same token i i don't know what the, i don't know what pitchers are are thought of um, as potential number one picks, and their track record for developing highly drafted <laughs> pitchers is Dylan piss Bundy, poor. Kevin Gosman. I know this is a just, new, just, just recent. This is recent a new, time. you know, uh, front office and, and and everything. But gosh, I, I just don't want to see them do that again. Where they have another Hunter Harvey on their hands. Could Rushman, Joe? Could he be like a number three or four hitter in someone's lineup? Do you think? Oh yeah, I, I think so. Like two years uh, from now uh, or something. I, I think so. And, and well, the thing with him is that he'll he'll be in the big leagues sooner rather than later. I mean, this, this is this is a guy who's played in college World Series. Okay. So. And they don't really the O's don't really have a catcher that's uh, no. you know uh, entrenched. I mean, uh, the one thing I thought about with this sadly Rutschman is uh, I thought of Pedro Severino and the and that pop up that he couldn't catch that allowed them <laughs> to lose uh, exactly that game. I'm like. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. You think of that, you're like, okay, um, that's one reason. And, can... and if they take him, what does that say about what they think of Chance Cisco? Is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> I've already forgotten yes. about him. Like, he, I don't know where he is. I think he's having a decent year on whatever level he's at. I, I think, think he's, he's in Norfolk. Yeah. yeah. Um, but clearly, he's not behind the plate. He's just not what uh, what they would want from him as a major league, as like an everyday major league catcher. The f- Catchers have to make they make their impact by hitting. I mean, I mean, he's, yeah. he, he's a he's a catcher. I mean, yes, it's an important defensive position, but but that's not where where you really like impact the game. Like the Cardinals have had, uh, and the Cardinals are a good franchise year in and year out. But they've had arguably the top catcher in the game uh, over the last decade in Yadier Molina, and 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 it's not like they're going to the World Series every year because they have Yadier Molina. Yeah. So, um so the, he he's got to be a hitter to uh, to make it work to make the, the number difference. one pick yeah, yeah to, to make the number one pick yeah. because there's only so much you can Im- impact the game as a defensive catcher sure so. Cer- certainly anytime soon I mean he's going to need time to learn the major league you know the the arms that he's going to be working with and just the whole organization and everything so uh, I don't know I guess that's who they're going to take and uh, yeah he's going to have to be like. I said last night he'll have to be Weeders, the, the Weeders that everybody expected and didn't turn, didn't get. You know, like Weeders was hyped big time when they took him. I think number four overall all those years ago. He was supposed to be this guy who had 25 home runs a year and hit 290 or whatever it was, and he never did it. Um, this kid's gonna have to, he's gonna have to be that if they take him number one. Yeah, I mean, if if they do, uh, there's a, a catcher for for the Phillies, JT Real Muto. He's not going to hit you 40 home runs a year, but 
uh, you know, he's uh, he's an actual disciplined right. hitter. Right. Uh, you know, if, if that's what they get, uh, you know, uh, someone who, who drives and runs, you know, comes through in the clutch, you know, you know, runners on base and two outs. It'd be a big plus. And someone who has, you know, strong leadership uh, abilities behind home plate. I mean, uh, that part of it I haven't read much of, uh, you know, with with this Adley Rushman. I know, you know, the, the hitting, he's a switch hitter as well, you yeah. know, very, very good. But um, if, if they get that from him too, you know, someone who could take control, you know, go out to the mound, Every pitcher, you know, you know, oh, listen, listens to you uh, when, when you speak. That's that, that's that's big time. Um, and if they do take him, that that remains to be seen. And that's why, Greg, you mentioned Yadier Molina. That's why he's he, he's so respected. Is that he 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 commands <laughs> the respect of everybody in that clubhouse. I mean, this guy's going to get to the Orioles. He's going to realize all the scrubs he's he, 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 he's catching. So now be careful because our own Brandon Klein is one of those guys. Right. Who's he's actually held his own. I I, still, I, yeah, I, I, I thought for the most he's he's had his ups and downs, but for a guy that wasn't even expected to be in the major leagues this no, year, he's, he, he's doing well. He, he's he's doing fine, I think. So, I mean, it's just funny the Orioles have the number one pick in a year. Their biggest need, obviously, is pitching, and, and there's not a stud. Exactly. There's not a stud pitcher out there for them. So. Yep. Uh, so anyway, well, elsewhere in regional baseball, the Nationals are ten games below five hundred, struggling to beat teams like the, the the New York Mets, even who have their own managerial issues and who just got swept in Miami by the by the lowly Marlins. So, I think this is the first time the Nats have been under five hundred since two thousand and eleven. And and then my question to you guys is: Are the Nats done? I mean, the, their bullpens. Uh, among the worst in baseball, uh, their starting pitching hasn't lived up to expectations. Their lineup—they've been hurt. Uh, and, and their lineup hasn't delivered the timely hits. Are, are the Nationals done uh, for this season? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say right now. Uh, the one thing I saw the Braves do, uh, and they actually got a, a, a really strong relief pitcher from the Mariners, uh, Anthony Swarzak, to to sort of um, bolster their bullpen. I, I mean, I think the Nats need to do that right now because there, there are a bunch of teams out there who you know and with a lot of these teams whether you're good or bad you know the underbelly of the team is the bullpen um, you know and one of those one of them is the Phillies who happen to be in in first place and you know I actually saw that a little bit uh, uh, in these past two games you know their you know their bullpen uh, you know gave up a couple of leads now now they've split um, you know the two games with the Cubs but but yeah, and that's 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 the underbelly for for the Nationals, and uh, I don't think it's it's as bad as people have, have said that said it's been. If they just get one really good pitcher, that you know, it takes the pressure off off of everybody else. You know, Cal Baraclow, you know, before he got here, he he's actually a very very good reliable pitcher out of the bullpen, and so you get another guy that comes in there and just gives them some help. Uh, it, it it would really help out because uh, you know come come trade deadline all these other teams that that need to address that um, you know the, the Cubs are one of them as well they're going to be snapping them up and and they're going to be in competition with the Nats so they they need to strike now yeah that's a really good point I would say I, I would cap it at like two weeks I mean if they if they continue to fall behind the Phillies. And over these next couple of and weeks, and they play and I, the Marlins after this, so they have okay. to be making hay in this. Stretch. I was just going to yeah. say I haven't looked at their schedule, so yeah. yeah, they they have to. It has to happen now, and if it doesn't happen in the next two weeks, they're going to be next thing you know they're going to be thir- 13, 14 games out of first place. 
Martinez is, it will be fired at that point. I, I that has to be what happens considering he's essentially like the bullpen. He's mismanaging things. It, it just seems like, so, um, I mean, I don't know how good these guys are. You, clearly Joe says they need, they not, need another arm out there, but they're only reliable at the same time. Like a manager is the one who's pulling the strings here and figuring out who should be pitching when. So I have, it's only a matter of time before he's gone. I think, right. Their only reliable reliever so far has really been Sean Doolittle. So, mm-hmm. uh, other than that, a bear claw, they expected more out of like Joe said, but he hasn't even been that good. So, Dave Martinez used to be with the Cubs, right, Joe? He, used he to was be the, the bench coach, yes. He was, he was the bench coach under yep. under Joe Madden, and the Cubs were in town last week. And, of course, uh, Dave Martinez is under fire. All the Cubs and Nats reporters asked Joe Madden, the Cubs manager, about Martinez, and he said, it's amazing how bad you could look if you, if you don't have a bullpen. That was basically his response, so alluding to the fact that, yeah, I mean, he, he, yep. Martinez looks bad right now, but he doesn't have a bullpen that he that he could rely on. So was there was there a player who went from the Nationals to the Cubs a bull, a pitcher Brandon Kinsler? Yeah. Yes. Did you see somebody interviewed him and asked him? <laughs> was I don't I can't remember the specifics of what the question was. But it was something like, "What do you think of your offseason decision to leave the Nationals and go to the Cubs?" And he's like, "Well." And that's bullpens, like the worst in the major leagues, isn't it? So there's my answer, basically. <laughs> the, the the problem for the Nationals now is this now becomes like a daily talking point. Dave Martinez's yeah. job status, and once that happens, never, then, then your focus is taken away from what needs to be uh, done on the field, and 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 just the pressure ramps up that much more when it becomes a daily talking point, like. Oh, you're still here today. Yeah. Uh, you, you haven't been fired yet. Oh, you're back yeah. again. So, but there was there was another talking point though about the Nationals this week, this week that was really fun. That I it's stuff that I enjoyed. Did you see this the little scrap or the almost Adam Eaton and, Adam Todd, Eaton Frazier. and Todd Frazier, the yeah. Mets, yeah. who apparently hate each other. They used to be teammates, and apparently they hated each other when they played together with the White Sox. And Frazier was chirping at him and in between innings or something, and they quote unquote had to be separated. They yeah. really didn't. But. Uh, Eaton Eaton grounded into a double play. Yeah, he, he was walking off the field, and I think I guess Frazier from across the infield was chirp, what was chirping at him, and then they sort of like Eaton sort of moved back towards Frazier, and then like teammates yeah. had to step in. And then I, I think before the next game, Frazier said he wasn't going to talk about the Eaton thing. But then he, for the next five minutes, all he talked about was was Adam These Eaton are, and, yeah. and, and what a lousy guy he was. Uh, yeah. And then Eaton fired back. And then Eaton used this weird analogy where he's got like a he he has a mortgage. <laughs> a mortgage. He has a mortgage and like two kids. And and then it sounds like Adam Eaton's pretty dumb if he has a mortgage. Honestly, if you have to do is look at his look at the payroll. I mean, right. how stupid are you if you have a mortgage? Well, well, Todd Frazier. <laughs> I mean, this has been a, like the media is running back and forth yeah. between these guys now, and Todd Frazier was like. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Pay off your mortgage. I love or, this kind of stuff. Or, 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 like this is just the, like the stupid, mindless, like the minutia, the drama that I just I don't know. I I think this stuff is terrific. And, there was something else I saw, and, and then Adam Eaton, of course, was forced to admit or acknowledge. Yeah. That, no, he doesn't actually yeah. have a mortgage. People. So there, there, something else I saw related to Bryce Harper today was that he was at. Um, they're playing the Cubs currently, right? Yes. He was out in right field in Chicago, and of course, the Cubs fans are giving it to him, and. In between innings, I, I, maybe he caught the last the last out of an inning or something like that. <laughs> he turned around and acted like he was going to throw the ball to one of the fans, and he like chucked it totally out of the stadium. <laughs> he threw it out of the stadium over the on the bleachers. on the Waveland is that Waveland or Avenue onto down? a rooftop or something. It was just see like that kind of stuff. I just love that kind of stuff. 
right yeah, it's it's fun i mean yeah. todd frazier uh heck i mean he's he's not on a great team right now but uh you know this, this is professional sports that that's todd frazier he, he's he, he uh will not hold back and you know, if you want to quote, <laughs> and you're on the best, you, you you go to Todd Frazier. And it also goes to show you, so those two were teammates, don't ever think that in a locker room of 20, 30-some guys, they all get along. Like, there are plenty of times when these dudes, there are dudes that just hate each other on you the same team. You just don't hear about it. You just don't hear about it. Yeah. If, they, if they're good at, if they're professional um, about how they handle their business. You just don't hear about it until they until they go to different teams and then it comes out. Yeah. The best, though, is when Adam Eaton had to acknowledge, no, I don't actually have a mortgage, people. And, <laughs> yeah. and then all the all the reporters following this are like, no, Adam Eaton does not have a, does not have a mortgage. <laughs> so when, when you make, what, $15 million a year yeah. or whatever Adam Eaton makes, you, don't, you probably don't need a mortgage. So... Yeah, or you're really bad at managing your money. <laughs> yes, get, right. I get get a financial possible. Maybe, maybe Todd Frazier could help him with some financial advice. So right. Um, well, uh, one of the common themes and refrains on this podcast is we often make fun of golf for for thinking that Tiger Woods has to swoop in and ride in on his white yeah. horse and save the day uh, for golf, or why golf even needs to be saved in the first place. And, and meanwhile, while everyone's wringing their hands about Tiger and his lack of winning and w- w- how bad that's been for golf, uh, uh, you have a guy like uh, Brooks Kepka coming along, and all he's done is won uh, four majors in the last 20 months, uh, two, two majors yeah. uh, last year, and, and then um, and, and uh, he's won the U.S. Open twice in a row and the PGA twice in a row now. He's won four majors. He looks like one of the promising young stars in golf. Poor golf. I mean, Poor he, golf has. They have no young stars, do they? He's a handsome guy. He win. He wins at a regular clip. It's like is golf really in in that bad a shape to, in in keeping with our theme here? That yeah, that's what I don't get. I mean, look. All you have to do is look at that guy. He's incredible. He's an incredibly handsome dude. Like he's jacked. He's like an athletic, fit looking guy who plays golf, which is odd because most of those guys don't look like athletes. And he's winning. And he's winning majors. I mean, that's exactly what you want. You don't need Tiger Woods to to step in and save save you uh, at this point. He, he's paid his dues. He was in countries like Kazakhstan. Yeah. He was in countries like Kazakhstan and like bizarre parts of the world. It's a great story. Uh, re- re- refining his golf game to make it on the PGA Tour. The funny thing about his career is he only has six wins, but but four of the six wins are are, are, are major championships now. Uh, he he just finished second at the Masters. He 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 could have put some real pressure on Tiger Woods at the Masters by making a putt on the final hole. And and and, and Kepka will be the heavy favorite uh, uh, to win three U.S. Opens in a row in a couple weeks when when they play that at Pebble Beach. So so it's like yeah, all this hand wringing about Tiger. But in the mean in the mean, who uh, by the way did make the cut? Right, at PGA. <laughs> yes, he missed the cut at the PGA. In the meantime, golf looks to be in pretty good shape with its young stars. I mean, the guy that finished second and really put heat on Kepka. Um, it was someone unexpected just because of the margin that Kepka had was Dustin Johnson, an, a, another good young player who's married to Wayne Gretz, who's uh, married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. He's, he's gone through his own travails off off the course, uh, alleged drug use and stuff. So you have all these great stories and personalities in golf, but it's all about balding they, Tiger. They Woods. look past all of that stuff because all anybody cares about that's in golf and covers golf is Tiger Woods. So they miss all of these, like the national coverage of it just always misses these great stories because they're trying to constantly pump up that tiger angle. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. 
Yeah, it's it's Tiger and everyone else that we'll just ignore. Yeah, it, it seems so. A lot, lot, lots of good stories in golf, though. Yeah, I agree with what you said. That, you know, plenty of uh, plenty of players out there who who, who can actually you know really uh, do, do well out there. You know, Rory McIlroy. You know, another one, Jordan Spieth. So. So yeah, it's um, I think it's a case with Kepka. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but at one point he was quoted as saying that that his, that um, he he actually wished that he he had taken up uh, another sport, maybe maybe baseball, and that baseball was a lot harder than golf. Oh my gosh. Um, now I, I don't know if that rubbed you know some fans the you know the you know the wrong the wrong way, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, no. I Those mean, snobby like, golf fans didn't, didn't <laughs> yeah, right, like that, right? But no, I, we, it, it's 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 a compelling story right now. I mean, if he's won four four majors over what three years now, or actually two years now, uh, to, to see uh, how, two, two how, how, how well he how well he, he can sustain it. Woods, I think, won seven of eleven at one point. Let's see, let's see how far he can he can take this. Right, and Jason Day is another player. Uh, most of these guys are like likable guys with like good nice stories like tiger woods who funny enough was just awarded the medal of freedom by by uh, donald trump i mean that he, he's got a pretty shoddy uh, track record uh especially off the course yeah um so these are likable guys that you could really get behind and and it, it'd be it'd be uh interesting to see if the golf media starts paying more attention to them um, <laughs> so um, a couple of headlines I wanted to just touch on uh, uh, real quickly. Uh, the NFL is not going to take up the Chiefs' uh, overtime uh, proposal. Right. Right. Um, there, there's not enough support for it. I, I contend that if Patrick Mahomes had won the coin toss and gone right down the field and scored on the Patriots, yeah. like this, this wouldn't even be an issue. It, it's only an issue because Tom Brady got the ball and, and scored and went back to his ninth Super Bowl and Patrick yeah. Mahomes didn't even get on the field yeah, in it, overtime. And it's the same thing years ago. It's the one I always bring up is the 2009 NFC, NFC Championship game where the Vikings lost to the Saints on the field goal in overtime, and Brett Favre didn't get the ball. That's when they changed overtime rules you know, to, to make it so both teams get possession unless there's a touchdown scored. Right. So I, I don't even think it would have been an issue had, had the Chiefs just won the game on their first possession. Yeah. So, so it, it would have seemed like an overreaction, sort of like the pass interference rule, like – if if that travesty didn't happen to the Saints, like would we now be reviewing pass interference plays in the NFL? It, it just seems a bit reactionary. I'm I'm glad to see that they're not changing the overtime rules because I think the overtime is fine as they have it. A field goal can't beat you on the first possession. You have to score a touchdown, and then it's first score wins. Yeah. So. So I, I think that's fine. Uh, also, did you guys see that Juwan Howard is now coaching I, the University of oh, uh, He got Michigan. that job? He, he got yep. the Michigan job. Oh, I, so. I didn't know he did, I didn't know that was news. Uh, that's great. Yeah, Juwan Howard, who's not out of the NBA for, for that long. Yeah. I mean, he retired in uh, 2013 after 19 years as an NBA player. Uh, care to guess how much money Juwan ooh, Howard made ooh. on the court in his career? Yes, I will. I will guess uh and he played 19 years i think we've probably even looked this up before in the office to be yeah. fair so if there's a number that sticks in my head it's because of that and i th i'm gonna say i'll just say a nice round number i'll say 80 million dollars joe you have an answer you have a guess on how much i'll go 120 million Jawan Howard made one hundred and fifty-one million dollars oh four hundred sixty-five thousand six hundred thirty-three as, as, as an nba player <laughs> 
that $150 million. Is, that is about $130 million more than uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird yeah. made as on-court. On we're just talking on-court on court earnings. And it's about $60 million more than Michael Jordan ever made in his career as a basketball player. And he player. started playing, mind you, when Jordan was still in the league, right? Yeah, he, they were teammates like, uh, yeah. with, with the Wizards. They played with the – yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and he was part of the team when Jordan was a front office exec with the Wizards. So Who, um, who made more money, though? Uh, did Chris Webber out-earn Juwan Howard, I wonder? I don't think so, just because – not on court. Just because, because of the sheer number of years. Yeah, because Howard played a lot longer than uh, Webber. Webber Even though Webber was a much more – Productive and right, yeah, like successful player. Just Juwan Howard, like he was on the LeBron, he yeah, championship teams. Like that there, there, there's Juwan Howard on the bench. So, 151 million dollars uh, on court uh, for Juwan Howard, and he'll now be the coach at Michigan because John Beeline, their former coach, took the took the job with you, the Cavs. You're seeing some. So. It's it's getting pretty weird now um, for people our age because we're all around the same age here. Yep. Uh, Greg, by the way, I did I didn't mention last week. Greg turned forty, so yeah, the big belated, belated happy birthday no, to our you. man Greg. Yeah, thank happy you. birthday! Um, but it's it's getting kind of weird because Jawan Howard, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, uh, these guys are head coaches now at college. I think Stackhouse got a job as a college coach yeah, too somewhere. Ninety three, I think, was the last year of the Fab Five in yeah. Michigan. So so they were they're 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 even five to six years ahead of where we were. So yeah, so it's just strange. It's just we're getting old, you know. When these guys that were like. I can remember, you know, watching that Fab Five team and being blown away, and watching Jerry Stackhouse dunking all over the place, yeah. and now he's long out of the game and is a head coach. I wanted to move a scene or to be seen up a little earlier uh, in 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 this week's uh, episode because uh, the best thing I saw all week was was, yeah. was, was the was the Preakness, yeah, and, and, and the riderless horse. <laughs> That, that, that ran the whole yep. Preakness and, and, and did not cross the finish line last. The horse was eventually awarded, um, a, a, a did not finish or didn't – some designation along those lines. But the horse did not cross the finish line last, despite the fact that it didn't have a jockey for the entire yeah. race. Uh, we're, we're talking about Bot Express, of course. Uh, Bodie Express. Or, yeah. or Bodie. That's how it's pronounced, I think. Yeah, Bodie B-O-D, Express. B-O-D, okay. Uh, however, uh, broke out of the number nine gate, threw his uh, jockey, John Velasquez, like right out of the gate, and then the horse proceeded to run uh, the entire race. <laughs> and, and and like I said, did not finish last. And it, just watching the video of that just – it's so bizarre. It, 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 it just cracked me. I was like hysterical just watching well, this, watching this riderless horse run just, the Preakness. Just seeing that, I mean, a quarter of the way through the race, he's he, he's midway into the pack. I, I was actually cheering for the riderless horse. I think to, you, to you, to and everybody else, and, and win. It was you, it was hilarious. Half imagine, of the, he's beaten half of the field. Go, yeah, go, go, yeah. go. Can you imagine if that horse would have won? The pre, won the Preakness, and and on top of the controversy at the at the Kentucky Derby, there's a couple of things about this that struck me. And I honestly, I didn't even watch the race, and that's very odd for me. I was I had some friends over. I forgot that it was on. We got uh, busy with other things, and I didn't actually catch up on this until the next morning. But um, there are a couple of things that struck me about it that I want to mention. And one is that you have all these people that are uh, such staunch, uh, st- so staunchly against horse racing, and and that they see it as cruelty to animals. That they're, that people are human beings are making these horses run. Look, these horses are bred to run. They want to run. That is what they want to do. And and you saw a perfect example of this during that freak, freakish incident. 
Uh, and you also saw that they are, they're clearly herd animals. And when all of the other horses are running, that is what they are going to do. Uh, no one is like, yes, humans are doing things to these animals they probably shouldn't be doing to get them to run, to keep them uh, sound enough, like using drugs uh, that they shouldn't be using or just running them when there's, there's, their, their physical health is, is in question or something like that. So I, I get why there are so many protesters and stuff, but come on, that's, this is what these animals want to do. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was that, that could have been a disaster. I mean, that could have been even like we talked about what could have happened at the Kentucky Derby that could have ended the sport um, if if things would have gone a different way, if a pileup would have occurred. Like if that horse jumps a fence or gets goes somewhere it shouldn't and tramples somebody, God knows what, you know, the fallout would have been from that. So they're really fortunate that that horse was able to be corralled, I think, and even it, it – so from my understanding, I still it, haven't it, seen it. It, it, it turned around. It, it, it did turn around. They, they ran the race. The horses were running through the finish line. They all slowed down. So yeah. did, so did Body Express or uh, Bodie. Bodie Express. Bo- Bodie Express. Yeah. Um, and then the horse turned around and started running in the yeah. other direction. It, it, it's funny when you watch the replay that at, at the top of the stretch there, there's there's a woman that rides out on this horse yeah. and attempts to corral Body or Bodie uh, Express, and then she, she can't, obviously can't grab the horse right. and, and the horse just runs to the finish but the idea that they were going to get this woman was the if the woman had grabbed onto this horse she, she actually did later get she's the one who actually corralled him later she would have been flung from her own horse. Right. this horse is charging down the racetrack what's she going to do like suddenly grab its reins and like stop it i think she she roped it eventually um uh, she got it to stop by roping it um before it would could, could get too much further but what does this do for the belt? Like, what in the hell is going to happen at the Belmont now? Like, look at the craziness that's occurred in these first two well, races. I want to see all these horses run now. Yeah. Because the Preakness right. was won by War of Wills. Um, and that's the horse that was athletic enough to avoid yeah. the catastrophe when, when Maximum Security ran. That was the horse most impeded by the move that Maximum Security made, the illegal move that Maximum Security made at, at the Kentucky Derby. And before the race, he had maximum security's owner throwing out all these challenges, and I'll, I'll put up a half million, five hundred million, or whatever the, the dollar amount he threw up. But my question was, why isn't maximum security running in the Preakness? Yeah. Right. If you, if you're the best horse, prove it. Prove it on the track. Why why was that horse sitting out the Preakness? Well, and what this raised in my mind was War of Will was the horse, like you said, that got impeded the most. What happens if he? What if? What happens if that didn't occur? Right. He, maybe he maybe he charges down and pa- and passes maximum security and wins the Kentucky Derby. Who knows? Like that's and that's what I said last week. Like you had people like Andrew Byer that were writing like, "Oh, maximum security was clearly the best horse in this race." You have no freaking idea what would have happened if that horse didn't veer out. And so I don't know. I'm glad he, I'm 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 glad he won that race, and I hope he goes on and wins the Belmont. And and the, and the other thing too is like, say this Kentucky Derby thing gets overturned, like, and you're and maximum security yeah. ran the Preakness. You said won this that, last week. Won, won the Belmont, then wouldn't he be the sort of the Triple Crown winner? And, yep. and there, he would the horse would have even finished first in the Derby. So so if you, anyone the question that it's like the horse still finished first, right? So it's like why wasn't maximum security running in the Preakness? But now I want to see I want to see country country house. I want to see War of Wills. I want to see um, maximum security. It's not going to happen, but uh, I, I want to see the, all these horses uh, run in run in the Belmont now. Yeah. So, so that was your that was your scene. Uh, that was my scene. And did, did you guys have a scene or to be seen? Um, I had a yeah, I had a scene. I was trying to think. I was trying to uh, 
gather my thoughts on this. There was a, a really good, and we sort of touched on a little bit of this with the Chiefs um, talk about the overtime. I saw Peter King, who now writes for NBC, NBC.com. NBC Sports.com. Sports.com, yeah. Yeah, he, he still does his um, football morning in America. Football morning now. Right. Yeah. He does a column that comes out on Mondays. It's, it's, it's essentially the Monday morning quarterback yeah. for, for, for another media outlet. Yeah, so he um, he talked to 25 experts, uh, NFL experts or former players, um, and got all, each, of 25, each of the 25 people to say one thing. If they could change one thing about the NFL, what it would be. And I, I mean, there's just there are so many different things in it. I can't even scratch the surface on it. I'll just tell you to go find that column and read it because there were a lot of really interesting ideas, several of which I think would would be good for the sport. Um, one, one of them I will mention because of the region that we're in. Um, I can't remember who who said this. You'd have to go find the column. He said that there should NFL owners should be up for essentially go up for reelection every five years. So if the public the, the the people that live in the in the area that these teams um, are situated would get a chance to vote out ownership, and Dan Snyder was the example that was given. So anyway, that was one example. Like that will never happen. That was right. one of the more drastic ones. And the guy who even gave it was like, "Look, this is never going to happen. This is a pipe dream." But how cool would it be if this would would occur? Most of the other ones are like actually based in in rules. Um, so give that give that a read. It was fun. Yeah. Jared, did you have something, something you've seen, sports-related or not? Well, well, I, I didn't realize the the draft was going to be uh, part of the conversation. That, oh, yeah. that was uh, that was my uh, you know uh, two two B scene. Uh, you know, really interested to see who who that Orioles uh, number one pick is, and I'll I'll leave it at that. Nice. We have to keep our eyes out too, because Jacob Wetzel. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a, a chance that he could be. Selected at some point in the draft, he's having a great season at Frederick Community College. The former sure. star player for Walkersville High School. Oh so. yeah, and one one other thing before we leave this segment, I I, I wanted to do another scene, and that was uh, probably a subject that we don't talk about a lot here, <clears throat> unless Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather are involved. But it's boxing, and it was Deontay Wilder who fought um, on Saturday night, and I, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the guy he <laughs> he knocked out in uh, in the first round. But if you if you get a chance. Go back and look at the clip of Deontay Wilder's fight. And he he knocks this guy out with a punch. It sounded like he hit the guy with a telephone pole. Like the, the it's, an, it's an audible punch. <laughs> the microphone picked up the sound of this punch, and it was unlike anything I have ever heard. And I've watched a lot of MMA fights, and I've seen a lot of like knockouts, like even with kicks or just flush shots with those little tiny gloves that those guys use. I've never heard a sound like this. And this dude crumpled like uh, you wouldn't believe. And, and it was like with – I think it was two minutes into the first round or something like that. Deontay Wilder is a bad, bad dude. And if these and if these people do not figure out a way for him to fight – all of these heavyweight champions to fight each other sometime in the next couple of years, it is going to be a travesty for fans. And it's going to be bad for that sport. That sport needs help. That sport needs these guys to fight each other. And if these morons who are in charge of the network, the, the you know, Showtime and HBO and just these guys that are con- that control these fighters, they don't figure it out. They're complete idiots because I mean, Wilder is a spectacle. That guy is awesome to watch. And to see him against somebody like Anthony Joshua, who's like also undefeated, he's from Great Britain. I mean, these fights need to happen. And speaking of boxing, Manny Pacquiao's uh, he's going to uh, fight about the Keith fight Thurman, of, yeah. uh, Keith Thurman, who's a very accomplished. He's uh, a really fighter. fun fighter to watch. Uh, too. He's 
29 and 0. He hasn't lost as a professional. I, and 22 of his wins have come by knockout. And, and he's and, much bigger than Manny. I, I, I was shocked to hear that there that he's going to fight him. I, I think Thurman's going to take him apart. And, and, and Thurman's talking about like he wants to, he has respect for Pacquiao. The, yeah. The, but but he's talking about like how Manny Pacquiao, uh, like Oscar De La Hoya, didn't fight again after he yeah. after he fought Pacquiao. Well, Thurman's talking about ending Pacquiao's boxing. Uh, I think I already uh, threw Manny career. on the boat so. because I'm already I'm sort of over his career. I think he 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 got he, my it was the last straw with when he fought Mayweather. It took it took way too long to agree to that fight too, and then he fought him injured. I threw him on the boat. I think quite a while ago. Yeah, but uh, but but uh, Keith Thurman uh, is yeah. wants that wants to end uh, Manny Pacquiao's uh, career. So Boy, Manny, uh, we talked about BJ Penn the last time I was here. Manny right. better watch out. He, he he may become the next BJ Penn, just hanging on too long as uh, as he has. Yeah. Yeah. Just go go uh, take your, up your political career right. in, in in the Philippines and, and make this it, country make, needs him. You know, make, make it make yep. it more make than it, boxing. Make does. a bigger difference. Make a bigger difference that way. But I guess he likes the the attention. And, and probably yeah. the, the payday that the boxing still uh, affords him, but maybe for not that much longer. So, all right, it's boat time. Uh, who are we? Uh, who are we throwing on this week? You know, I struggled with this this week, uh, and on my drive in here, I couldn't come up with anything other than this. If you're somebody who tweeted or posted something on social media about this freaking show, Game of Thrones, and how peeved you were about the ending of it, go on the boat. I I, I don't watch the show. I've never seen it. I don't care if I ever see it. And and number two, like or if that is that number three, <laughs> I would never <laughs> comment was, on social media yeah. about a show and being angry about a show. But that's just that's just the way the world is these days. It's it's kind of annoying. So Joe, did you have one? Oh, right. Nick Curios. Good one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, the attention with what he's done recently. You know that that's what's. Uh, well, actually, what he last did before he stormed off the court, you know, throwing a chair, I think that's going to get all, all the attention. But the thing that probably gets overlooked is is the thing that started it all, him, you know, uttering some profanity toward a fan. And, you know, it's it, it, he's done it over and over and over again. And, you know, it, it, this is... Uh, it's not rocket science. You you, you drop an f bomb or something, you're gonna get uh, a code violation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care, I don't care how much abuse you're you're gonna get from these fans. And then uh, you know, number two, you're you're getting all this this flack from the fans because of all the stuff you've done in the past. You know, uh, all the previous f bombs. And and also he's got a track record of uh, of lack, tanking lack, lack of effort yes. yeah yeah t- tanking mat- matches he had a you know an eight eight week ban because uh, he tanked matches I mean and this is probably the worst one of them all he was in a match with uh, Stan Wawrinka and then what told Wawrinka that uh, one of his um, one of the other tennis players was having an in- intimate relationship with his girlfriend I mean. Things like that. I mean, you, you, you do all these things. Guess what? Fans are are, are gonna are gonna uh, give you uh, the business because, you know, they know that uh, it's gonna get under your skin. Exactly. So just you know, just just shut up and and play, and that, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and this latest incident came on the heels of interviews he did that were publicized of him ripping 
Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic are like right. two, two of the great ambassadors and champions the sport's ever seen. Right. And Kyrgios, those, terrible, those terrible guys. And, and, and Kyrgios is ripping them in interviews as being like yeah. fake and, or whatever he called them. But so you had the interviews he did ripping all-time greats, which he will never be. And then you had all these on-court antics. The unfortunate thing with Kyrgios is he's grown up in an age where if, if you're starved for attention, like, like clearly he is, like you realize that you're rewarded all these re- all, all yeah. these all these reality shows teach you this uh, like you're rewarded for acting like a complete maniac w- with the attention that you so desperately crave and seek so he's grown up in this age where where acting like a lunatic is not necessarily a bad thing if 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 if, if attention and fame and fortune is is what is what you're after so a uh, good one uh, with Nick Curios uh, there um i had three people for the boat this week a couple of them we've oh, already man. sort of alluded to uh, rob palenka it's yeah. like like look just, just no. I mean, try and work around the and talk your way around the magic situation as best you could. But to outright lie and say pretend like they had some great relationship and they'll be talking again next week or whatever. <laughs> it's like, uh, don't don't lie to everyone and tre- act like everyone's an idiot and, re- and realize. I mean, he was clearly lying to everyone when he's talking about his relationship with magic. So Rob Palenka, who's not a respected NBA, G- everyone like hates him from his days as Kobe Bryant's agent and an agent for another player. Like he's not very well respected in right. the league. And now he's going to be the guy to try and shepherd the Lakers out of this mess that they've created for themselves uh, really. So, so Rob Palenka could go work out some deals for some of these guys on the, on the boat. So um, the other one was uh, the, the owner uh, for maximum security. It's like run if if you, if you have the yeah. best horse, prove it by running the horse in in, in 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 the best races. The horse maximum security. There was no ailment or um, not that we know of, right? Not yeah. that or, or problem that we were aware of. So he, the horse should have been running in the Preakness, and especially if you're going to go out like a day before the Preakness and make, throw out all these challenges and stuff, trying to talk like you have the best horse. Well, the best way to prove that is yeah. by having run the horse in the Preakness. So. And, and is the horse better than War of Wills? Well, we, we, we don't I know. I do now. like that, though. I do like the idea of them putting together some sort of a race after all of the Triple Crown season is over. And, you know, hey, put it up. Put put 1.6 or $1.7 million up or something and go let those four or five horses run, man. I, I think that would be great for the sport. I mean, and they need help. All right. In the meantime, don't dodge the Triple Crown races. Exactly. So, so Maximum Security's yep. owner could go on the boat and, and place some bets. I like uh, it. Pl- place some bets there. Uh, my my third guy is uh, somewhat of a uh, of a local, uh, not a local guy, but but with a local team, uh, Reuben Foster of the Redskins, uh, yeah. who tore his ACL on the first drill. I think he he participated in with the Redskins. The dreaded non contact right injury. Like Reuben Foster is a guy the Redskins probably shouldn't have signed in the first place, given his history of uh, not just domestic violence, but before that even uh, he had some gun charges and some drug charges. Uh, fi- filed against them. So this is not the world's greatest guy that the Redskins took a chance on, not even vetting um, his domestic violence history that thoroughly, it, it seemed. So everyone was saying, karma, see, look look, right. look, look what he gets for being a bad person. But uh, but Reuben Foster probably, at the end of the day, got what he deserved uh, by, 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 by getting hurt. And now he's going on the and, boat. And, and he, he could rehab his uh, injury yeah. in our luxury spa on, <laughs> on, 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 on the boat. So... Reuben Foster goes on the boat this week for for some just, good ones there. Just being a bad person, as, 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 as they said uh, in, in office space. Reuben right. Foster, you were a very you've bad. had a trite you've had a trite and meaningless career and are a very bad person. That's right. So, all right. Uh, anyone else? Uh, that's or, it, anything man. else? So. On that note, 
Jail, you're doing very well. So um, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, baby. Ha- happy to have you on, and, and we'll it's do it again good. soon. And yeah. and our numbers are uh, we're going, we're going to credit Joe with with, with our numbers. Oh, I'm uh, not taking uh, any credit whatsoever. Improving every week. So uh, thanks to all of you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Just Another Sports Podcast. <laughs>